Happy birthday to you. Yesterday. Happy birthday <laughs> to you. I did. Happy birthday, dear Daniela, Mama, love. Happy birthday to you. Gracias. You live in a zoo. <laughs> <laughs> Raising bilingual children can be a challenge. That's why we have Serial Dates, where we discuss our experiences and grow as a bilingual family. Let's get cereal, cereal. I want to get cereal. Let's get cereal. <laughs> no? Welcome back to Serial Dates, everybody. Bienvenidos. We hope you all are doing well. And today's episode is kind of a fun one for me. Mm -hmm. Coming from somebody who originally was monolingual, um, I had no background in second language and I acquired, I had interest growing up, but I acquired most of my second language with you mm -hmm. and of course being a father to Mateo and Elias. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> Mateo is currently three, Elias is one, but I kind of wanted to go over some to kind of take a deeper dive into the benefits of bilingualism and kind of for, like what we've observed so far. Exactly. What we've observed what, as parents. And for me as a teacher working with families for over 10 years. Right. So you have a large background with experience. So kind of talk about that real quick. I thought we were doing a parenting moment. Oh first. yeah. <laughs> Let, let's go with our parenting moment. So real quick, uh, my brother got married this weekend and he is assumed to be father of my niece. Mm -hmm. We're going to have a little girl. I say we like it's mine, but <laughs> I mean, the truth is I'm going to steal that baby from him. Um, <laughs> but her name is going to be Harper. Uh -huh. And uh, and Mateo at the wedding got to be, typically it would be ring bearer, but uh -huh. because he's three and it was out in the country, we didn't want him to lose the rings. <laughs> So instead they had him carry a sign saying, uh -huh. here comes the bride. Uh -huh. And so it was funny cause he just kind of was like, I'm not sure how this works. And he's kind of slow on walking down the aisle and the flower girl was with him and she was kind of trying to figure out what to do as well. And uh -huh. I was like, what the hell you got to walk. And so I'm like motioned him to walk. And the minute he caught eyes with me, the first thing he did was smile. And then he took off running <laughs> right towards me. And I was like, no, 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 go back. You got to walk with her. You got to walk with her. And then he ran back and walked all the way up and <laughs> it was, it was just too cute. Yeah. So, and then for Elias's parenting moment, he's really coming into speaking in sentences now. Mm -hmm. One that caught me off guard the other day specifically was Nona Inono Oi. Uh-huh. That's exactly what he said. No, 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 oi. Like today, which was Monday. Uh-huh. And it was just, it was really cool to see him starting to put words together mm -hmm. rather than just, no. Yeah. The other day we, we were uh, going to watch a video on, on the couch and his big <clears throat> elephant was sitting on the couch. So he goes, elefante, miso, con permiso. Con permiso. <laughs> Excuse me, elephant. He says that to me. He says that to me all the time when my legs are in the way. He does. Yeah, he's like, mm, for miso, 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 peace, peace, miso. <laughs> <laughs> so that little kid. He's doing something that I didn't really observe with Mateo, and that is actually mixing the languages. 
Yes. Like he always says, please, but he always says, compromiso. Like, excuse me, please. So he says, compromiso in Spanish and please in English. And when you say, when you try to say, like, if he's asking for something, you say, por favor. Mm -hmm. Please. Please. Yeah. He's starting to say, por favor, or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, that's, he definitely makes his languages. It's fun to watch. And those Listen are the parenting moments for those two boys who are just growing incredibly fast. Incredibly fast. <laughs> so today, kind of what we're going to cover is we're going to cover bilingualism, a deeper dive into it. We're going to go over what effect that has on executive function of the child. We'll discuss exactly what that is. We'll talk about how empathy has really been the prominent, like, shining thing that we've seen. Mm -hmm. And then we'll go over problem solving. But before we get started... Just with your experience and expertise, um, I want you to kind of explain like why, where your experience and expertise comes from, what you have a background in, what you've mm -hmm. accomplished over these years and what your involvement in the bilingual community here in Oklahoma has been. Okay. Um, so in terms of my background, it's not necessarily in bilingualism. Uh, my degree is in child development and family life education, which even though it doesn't say, doesn't mention anything about bilingualism, through my experience over the years of owning bilingual family, it's been, it'll be 10 years next year. And then before that, I worked with bilingual families as well. So through my experience of working with families over, over 10 years, um, being a bilingual person myself, and raising bilingual children, um, I have noticed how important that family education piece is. And it makes me realize, you know, that even though my degree wasn't necessarily in bilingualism, it was in a key element for bilingualism, for raising bilingual children, which is the family. Right. So it's kind of like full circle. Um, and then in terms of like, involvement with the community and stuff. Um, I was a president of OABE, the Oklahoma Association for Bilingual Education. And then I'm currently working with the University of Central Oklahoma to um, provide a program to connect parents and teachers and it's bilingual cafe. So well, specifically, like to, specifically yeah, we'll the parents, yeah, specifically the parents though, are native speakers in Spanish right. who, uh, for, for lack of a better explanation, need to connect with the, with the teachers mm -hmm. to help provide a better environment for their children at the school. And it makes the parents feel a little bit more comfortable oh, being yeah, yeah. in this environment because teachers are trying to communicate with the parents and the parents are trying to communicate with the teachers. Mm -hmm. And having that language barrier may off, like, be a barrier or a resistance of getting involved with school. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, parents parents want to be involved. And I think it, something that parenting has taught me that I didn't realize as a teacher is that all parents truly are doing the best that they can with the resources that they have. And so to be able to kind of give, the, give parents who are new to Oklahoma, just new to the community, that... Feeling our, of belonging. Our, new to our country. New to the country, right. New to the language, new to the culture, new to everything. 
to have that feeling of belonging in their school, in their child's school, and that they actually have something to contribute is, is just amazing. Right. Yeah. So, and you've written a book about bilingualism, mm-hmm. how to raise bilingual children, even if you only speak one language. Right. Um, and so you have tons of experience and you've seen a lot. You've observed children from two years old all oh, the way up, <laughs> yeah, all the way up until they're in grade school and beyond now. Right. And you've seen the results of that and mm-hmm. how it's affected their drive, their understanding of the world and, mm-hmm. you know, the cognitive understanding of just life in general. Um, especially I always bring up Steve and Ryan, mm-hmm. like they were, they were wonderful. They were the, they were the, they're at the genesis of it all. Right. Right. You know? So I think what I've observed the most, so we, we want to talk about executive functioning and empathy and kind of problem solving, which are some of the benefits we've observed over the years. And we definitely observe as parents, um, kind of at a more personal level, but, I think even putting all that aside, like the executive functioning and the economic benefits and all that, at the core, what matters most and what, you know, kind of tying into last episode and being present and connecting with people is that empathy piece. Right. Because it it really doesn't matter. Like we are in a new world now where like, your cognitive ability may be subpar to a robot's. You know? <laughs> like, uh, that's a reality, you know? Like, you can look anything up. You can, computers can figure anything out. And so being able to have that empathy piece and connecting to other people, that's something I observe every single day in, in our children at Bilingual Family and in our children, right. like Mateo and, and Elias. And I think that is something that um, bilingualism just naturally provides because people who are bilingual have to take others' um, experience into account before before speaking to them. Right. Like, if I want to connect to this person, I need to change the way I'm thinking, meaning change my language, to be able to convey this message or to convey this idea so that that person receives it in a way that's going to be important, meaningful to them. Right. And help us connect and help us like communicate. <clears throat> so that's like, like the yeah. ultimate, that's it. And like then we, we always talk about, <laughs> yeah. And we, and we always talk about relationships being mm-hmm. a key component to learning a second language, but in general, a key component to living a harmonious life with others around you, mm-hmm. whether it's your neighbors, your family, your friends, so mm-hmm. forth and so on. So, and, oh, oh, sorry. I was going to say there are countless of examples of like we've talked about it in the podcast before of like Mateo translating during the dinner table to make sure that everyone understood what we were talking about, even at a very, very young age. But one example that just always stuck to me was a recent one at Bilingual Family. It was right after the pandemic where children kind of had to be <laughs> taught how to play and you know, coached on how to initiate play because they hadn't been around other children or, you know, things like that in different social environments. And so it was the very beginning of the year and 
Mateo, our Mateo was building this big uh, magnetile building. And another boy came over and was about to break it down. Like you could just see it. And so I said, oh, Jack, it looks like you want to play with Mateo. Because often like breaking somebody else's stuff means, hey, I want to play. Can I play? Right. <laughs> I don't know how to say that, but I want to play. And so I said in English, because I wanted to make sure that he understood what I was saying. And we and you were wanted to connect with him. Connect with him. And I wanted to kind of set the tone for how help him and coach him on how to initiate play. And so I said, oh, Jack, it looks like you want to play with Mateo. You can say, can I play with you? And so Jack like stood there for a second and I thought he's still going to knock it down or something like he's at my thought was he's trying to think, should I knock it down? Should I not knock it down? That was my main thought. Right. <laughs> but instead what he was thinking was, okay, Mateo always speaks to Mizaniela in Spanish and she always speaks to him in Spanish. So maybe he only speaks Spanish. So he sat there and thought for a second and then he said in Spanish, so I told them in English, say, can I play with you? And he sat there and thought for a second. And he said, puedo jugar. <laughs> and then Mateo sat there and thought for a second. And instead of replying in Spanish, which the Jack asked him in Spanish, he said, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, the, and the beauty behind that right. is they both changed their language. Mm -hmm to accommodate the other person right. and to be able to connect and make sure their message is heard. Mm -hmm. And in that, in a sense is, is just at that right there yeah. to be able to do that and to show would you call that like an empathetic response? I think it's taking other people's perspective into account. And that is what we need. Like right. that is what the world needs. Even if you are monolingual, being able to say, okay, I'm trying, this is what I want from this person, or this is what I'm trying to communicate. But first, I'm going to put myself in their shoes and think of the best way to communicate this message so it's well-received, mm -hmm. so that it's a win-win. Like, we both, we both understand each other, and we both end up, like, with the same positive outcome. Right. Right? So as a way to tie in empathy and executive functioning. We just talked about how empathy is being able to, or one of the things we've noticed is being able to hold someone else's perspective in mind as you hold your own when you're trying to communicate with them successfully. Right. And one of the skills of, um, you know, that are part of executive functioning is being able to juggle multiple skills successfully. Let's talk about, Executive functioning. So executive functioning, I, I'm not familiar with that terminology. So I kind of looked it up and I found under the developingchild.harvard.edu, one of Harvard, Harvard's websites, um, it describes it as the mental processes that enable us to plan, focus attention, remember instructions, and juggle multiple tasks successfully. And these skills are crucial for learning and development. And we know that Mateo learns very quickly, mm -hmm. for one. But if we're looking in terms of executive functioning with the empathy response or how he, you know, is able to work with somebody that may not be of his language, mm -hmm. a great way to look at that is we, we tie language in a lot with almost like it, it coexists with culture. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So 
an example of how it works for me and my job is if I go somewhere and I have a call where I have to work with a Spanish family and they don't speak English. One of the things, the first things that pops off into my head is, okay, so they speak Spanish. They don't speak English. I look around, I kind of see their environment and, and I can kind of, now that I've done this for a while, I can kind of generally get an idea of, are they from Mexico, Guatemala? And, and I can almost see a lot of the cultural differences there Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. So with their culture and their language, I'm able to listen to what they're saying in Spanish. Obviously I'm translating it into (laughs) English into my head to understand. Right. And how I would solve this problem in English may not be beneficial mm-hmm. for them. And when I say solve this problem in English, what I mean is from your culture, from my culture. Right. So, but on the other side of that coin as well is that the, how my culture would solve this problem may seem simple and logical mm-hmm. that they don't have the ability to see mm-hmm. because of their culture. Right. And so I present them an option to handle it this way mm-hmm. or to think of it this way. Right. And it opens up this, this, this box of, or this, um, what like shoots and ladders, the game shoots and ladders. Uh-huh. When you land on a slide, it'll take you down further. I'm providing them a slide essentially on the game board that they would have never seen otherwise to right. move further or to find a that solution, solution. Uh-huh. to a problem they had. Right. And when you see Mateo being able to speak to Spanish and English people just without any issue and, Mm -hmm. and switch between them, Mm -hmm. whether it's translations or like translating for somebody Mm -hmm. or to try and figure out how do they communicate Mm -hmm. to be able to have his English and Spanish switch on and or off at his own at at will is a is a great executive function trait mm-hmm. to be able to switch between tasks. Right. Is in this case that task would be is Language, it Spanish or right. is it English? Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that it helps him. Um, and moving even further beyond that with problem solving, because mm-hmm. that is a, a sense a problem solving right. attribute. Mm-hmm. Being able to see other solutions mm-hmm. because language is. Language is beautiful. The, the way we think of language, like in here, you know, when you and me were dating and we said, I love you, it was more like, I like you a lot. Right. Versus, you know, in Spanish is you have, I love you. Amo. And you also have, I like you. And you don't use them interchangeably. And you, wouldn't say, you wouldn't say, well, I guess you could say, amo, amo el café, but you would say, me gusta el café o me encanta which is another way of loving things or concepts. Versus like from the heart into the soul. You could say, I love socks or I love you, my husband. And it's the same word. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So words have meaning and power in the second language, which if he's solving a a standard problem and I'm with him and he's thinking in in English, if he can't solve the problem, he may switch his brain over into Spanish and start decoding whatever this problem is to find a solution. Mm-hmm. Once he finds that solution, he may translate it in his head back over to English and be like, oh, here's the answer. Here's that solution. Well, I think even as you are it's like learning add, a second language. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, it's like adding a, a it's, it's, you're adding another road or another highway of thought. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So you're, you're no longer just, you know, you're, you're almost omnidirectional with your thought process mm-hmm. and, and it opens up a lot. And I see myself doing it too. Right. Like I, I'm sometimes find, Oh, well, I didn't think of it this way. I, I would have never thought of it otherwise. Right. Had I not known the Spanish word for whatever. Right. Well, and as you were speaking about helping families and kind of seeing it from their culture, even a more simple way to see this problem solving in terms of bilingualism, when you're learning a second language, like you are, and you don't know the word for something, for example, this is a very basic example I came up with. If you wanted to say, where is the supermarket? And you don't know the word for supermarket in Spanish, right. even though it's supermercado is pretty easy. But, <laughs> but if you didn't know that, Instead of getting stuck there, your brain can work if you're, you know, in terms of executive functioning, your brain works to find another way to right. say the same thing without and to get your message across without a direct translation because it's able to problem solve on the go. So you might say, I'm looking for a store of food, like a right. food store, <laughs> Right. Or a store of food. <laughs> if so, you want to sound like caveman Spanish so or caveman we, English. We went to a thing called Dia de Nino the mm-hmm. other day. And it, it brought up you brought up another that example. Here mm-hmm. here here's how I would see it from a monolingual side. Right. I want to find a store that sells like different types of bread. And mm-hmm. in Colombia, for instance, it's panadarias. They have them like a store specifically for bread, uh, posted pastries. Uh-huh. See, I'm going back for <laughs> that. Um, so you guys have a specific store for that. Mm-hmm. And if I didn't, for a long time, I didn't know the store was actually called a panaderia. It, it didn't make sense. Like it's just, it's. I thought it was supermarket. You know, it's right. an all-encompassing thing here. Right. And well, we went to one the other day, and oh. It was awesome. Where? Besides the point, uh, down on the south side, uh-huh. and uh, it was at that at that um, Dia del Nino uh, oh, yeah. event. Uh-huh. And so, if I wanted to look for a bread store, <laughs> right. I would literally say uh, La Tienda de Pan, pan. <laughs> right? La Tienda de Pan. Oh, Panadaria. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the end of the pan? Sí. You know, right. you know, that's how my brain would think. Uh-huh. I'm using words that I am familiar with, which is pan. I know there's a store for pan, and I know the word for store is at the end of Mm-hmm. Right. And I think just a practical way to help children and us <laughs> notice those differences, those cultural differences or those linguistic differences is to bring them up in conversation. Right. So, for example, as we are learning about Colombia in camps at Bilingual Family, we always say, adios, amigos, adios. So I say, oh, amigos, in Colombia, decimos adios, pero también decimos chao. Chao. And we've been using chao a lot just to show them that even within the Spanish language, there are differences. Right. And another example, Mateo is reading this little like guided readers or something um, from the library. And one of the small stories is about a wiggly tooth or um, I think the translation is like muevelo, muevelo. 
move it, move it. <laughs> I like to move it, move it. And it talked about the tooth fairy, which I didn't think this would come up now. Right. It's like three years before, but it came up in a book. And so he was like, I want to do that. I want that to happen. And so, so what I said, and this is just how we handle fantasy and stuff like that. Same, same way we've handled like Santa Claus. It's like the story goes or legend, legend has it. it. Or the, what I said was in Colombia, the way the story goes, you know, is that you put your tooth under the pillow and then Raton Miguelito, little uh, Miguel Mouse or Mickey Mouse, I guess. <laughs> El Raton Miguelito. I don't remember. I think it was Raton Miguelito. Anyway, that's what I told them. El Raton Miguelito brings you a little coin. But here uh, in the United States, it's the tooth fairy. Right. And so, you know, it's just like a quick explanation that it's still kind of the same concept, but in two different cultures, they have a different name for the creature that brings right. you the money for your tooth. Right. You know? No, absolutely. How he, how he like filed that into his brain, I don't know. And luckily, we read that, we talked about it yesterday. And today at camp, a little girl's tooth fell out and she was telling us about it. (laughs) She was like, oh, and the tooth fairy came to her house. Aye. So. And now she's rich. Yeah. (laughs) No, but I I think that a lot. So when you talk about empathy, empathy really expands on a lot of different subjects. You, You develop a lot of executive function, you know, just different aspects of executive function, being able to hold multiple tasks, or in this case, two different thought processes at the same time, hyper focusing on single tasks and maybe being able to think of it in another language to solve problems, um, and which leads obviously into the problem solving, having you know two highways going into your brain, omnidirectional thought processing. Uh, it, you just there's a lot that comes out of bilingualism that we've observed, the things that we see that I didn't notice myself growing up. Like when I think about me being young, I was definitely nowhere near what Mateo is. Um, I don't remember my brother being this way. And, and I've seen what you're capable of, um, just being bilingual with your business and helping other families. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now you're in, obviously bilingualism can obviously open up, you know, different doors mm-hmm. for whether it's career education or relationships, relationships. Yeah. Most importantly. So, I uh, when you take a deeper dive into bilingualism and what it has to offer just from a monolingual perspective Mm -hmm. from my side, the biggest attribute is the empathy Mm -hmm. behind it all communication, Mm -hmm. which with my job, that's what I primarily see Mm -hmm. a lack of communication between people. Mm Mm-hmm. Just whether it's neighbors, and I'm and I and I mean that across the board for right. everything that goes on. Whether mm-hmm. it's and I, and I hate to use the word crime because I don't want it to look negative in this positive conversation. Mm-hmm. But when you look at you know violence that goes on, whether it's personal or driven for other reasons, uh, when you look at the struggles of families, domestics, mm-hmm. um, and then. I'm just going to be real when you see these domestic violence cases or these child crime cases or just disputes between friends and arguments or random selected victims of certain things. 
it's just there's a lot of communication barrier whether it's monolingual or bilingualism mm-hmm. like you there's just no communication we we don't we don't look to communicate anymore mm-hmm. so we act impulsively mm-hmm. on what goes on and to be able to see that i can contribute as much as i can to this world by helping my son learn a second language to be able to better communicate with a whole other side of the world mm-hmm. is, is to me is amazing. Right. And I get to do it with him. I get to become a better person with him. Mm-hmm. And hopefully as he grows up and has his children of his own, he gets to continue that tradition of let's communicate with the world mm-hmm. and let's, let's become better neighbors to each other and, and not hold that idea of, Oh, you don't speak my language. So I'm just going to disregard you. Right. Right. And even if you don't, we can I'm at gonna least try. attempt. Right, I'm going to try. And, and 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 to me, that's like a lot of the beauty behind bilingualism. You can look at it from the fact of, oh, I just want my kid to be educated, or I want my kid to have opportunities and doors open to them. Better job of better opportunities. Better job, or, career, right. whatever the case, networking. But in all reality, like it is awesome to see how language in general can help build relationships, even if you just know one word. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, prime example, our neighbors across the street, they speak Farsi. Mm-hmm. We learned a few words from them, and they just right. loved the fact that we even tried. Exactly. And that was the start of a relationship. Mm-hmm. And so, again, when you look and dive deep into bilingualism, you can look at all the research, you can look at all this, that, or the other. Um, that or the other? <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the day, at the end of the day, my favorite part about diving into all this is when I learn with my child, mm-hmm. I'm building a relationship with them. And second language acquisition is all about relationships. And that's true with any task, whether you're teaching them how to skateboard or rock climb or read. Mm-hmm. When you do it with the child and you are actively involved in that mm-hmm. and you intentionally are there doing what you do as a parent, you're going to build that relationship. And it's just going to make that much more of a difference in your child's life and upbringing. Right. So I have nothing else. I mean, we've covered a little bit of everything in that. And, and I think, (laughs) I think we've come to the conclusion that empathy is the biggest (laughs) thing that we've seen out of this. Right. But, um, there are other benefits. (laughs) Oh yes. There are a lot of other benefits we didn't cover, but if like having your child order for you, at places that only speak Spanish. <laughs> no, there's, and, and the cool thing is we're starting to see throughout the nation, you know, more schools mm-hmm. using dual language learning. Yeah. We have our first dual language program here. Um, and then even like the program that I'm working with, with UCO is connecting Spanish speaking families with the teachers. Right. I mean, that's amazing. I, I feel like we're, making progress. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that's a great step forward in creating a more harmonious world. Mm-hmm. So anything else to add to any of this? Nope. Does that mean it is time? Oh no. Hopefully it's a good one. <laughs> one I haven't heard. One you haven't heard? Yeah. So huh. I can laugh. <laughs> well, I don't think they've heard this one. What's the difference between black-eyed peas and chickpeas? He told me this. How did he forget? Black-eyed peas can sing us a song. 
and chickpeas can hummus one. <laughs> that was a good one. Hummus. Like hummus. Chickpeas makes hummus. Yeah. I, and they can hum. I get it. Song. I think you know, if you explain it. That's what dads do. Leave me alone. Okay, dad. <laughs> well, I don't have anything else. Comments, questions, concerns, general consensus about the world or universe around us? Nope. Thank you all so much for listening to us. And remember, if you want to save the world, save the family. Adios. Raising bilingual children can be a challenge. Our program makes it possible by providing a fun, easy-to-use guide for parents. This guide will teach you how and when to use Spanish at home in order to make the most of your time together as a family. We provide you with everything you need to know about raising bilingual children, including storytime videos, songs, activities, and more. All of our content is designed specifically for families and will help you speak Spanish with your child from birth through age six, all while having fun. Head over to bilingualfamily.us and click on Español Juntos to get started. Con amor, Daniela.